Welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Colin Morgan. Listen, are you tired of not living a fulfilling life? Do you believe you deserve more? Do you want more? Is it finally your time? If yes, then stick around. I welcome you to the Daily Grind. Today's episode is brought to you by Policy Genius. Listen, if there's one thing that we as humans suck at, it's predicting the future. Just think back five, ten years ago and ask yourself, would you have been able to predict where you are right now in your life? The answer is probably no. But see, the unpredictability of life is what keeps life interesting and fun. The trick about it is to be able to enjoy life without worrying about what's around the corner. And one way to worry less is to get the right life insurance. That is where Policy Genius can help you. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance super, super easy. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. And by doing so, you can save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius compared to other life insurance policies. Now, once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles everything for you. They handle all the paperwork, all the red tape, and guess what? It's free. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easier for you, they can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. So, if you haven't found a play by play breakdown of your future inside a crystal ball or cookie, that's okay. Be prepared for everything with life insurance. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. Again, policygenius.com. Policy Genius. We'll always get the future wrong. Better get life insurance right. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Joining us today on The Daily Grind is Mr. Peter Townton. Peter is a pioneer in the fitness industry. In 2003... He had a vision for Snap Fitness to create an affordable 24-7 results-driven gym differentiated from the impersonal, expensive, big box experience. Today, there are Snap Fitness franchises in 2,500 locations in 26 countries. And Peter, the CEO of Lift Brands, didn't stop there. 
Peter is an expert at understanding consumer desires and fulfilling them. In recent years, he has acquired and founded several brands to round out the consumer fitness experience, including Nine Round, Ferrell's Yoga Fit, Steel's Fitness, Fitne- and Fitness On Demand. Together with the Snap Fitness brand, they comprise the world's largest wellness franchise organization, serving 165 million workouts and counting. Peter, who prior to founding Snap Fitness owned nine America fitness centers, has designed a franchise development operation that is envy of the industry. He leads with the infectious enthusiasm which attracts prospective owners from all over the world. He provides them affordable financing, world-class support, and easy turnkey process. Most importantly, he teaches them his own management philosophy. Success is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Peter's accomplishments have been well-recognized in the business community. In 2010, he was named an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. But for Peter, it comes down to one word, passion. He has it, he teaches it, and the results speak for themselves. Even as his operations expand, he remains ever committed to providing owners and members with the tools and programs they need to reach life-changing goals. Today, he has over 6,000 locations across three wellness brands in 28 countries. And today, everyone, we get to hear that story, which is absolutely amazing. So be sure, as always, you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back, and really dive deep in today's interview with Mr. Peter Taunton. Enjoy. Well, Peter Taunton, welcome to The Daily Grind, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, and a pleasure to be here this morning. Of course, Peter. Uh, pleasure that you're here. Um, for people being first introduced to you who don't know you, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing a little bit more as to who Peter is and what it is that you do. Yeah, what what, what brought me to this space, what brought me into podcasts was really um, becoming aware of social media. And, and I was a little bit taken back by what I call that there's a lot of fakes out there. And it's not that I had to make my stand, but I saw a lot of fakes out there talking about um, the journey, and a lot of it was just business theory and not not practical on-hand business fundamentals. And uh, so that's what prompted me to get into the space. For those of you that are meeting me for the first time, I'm a self-made guy. And uh, if you'd met me 35 years ago, I would have been giving you a towel and a locker key. So segue that into 35 years of hard work. Um, and there's a, you know, a long narrative along the way, but I, I I, I went from handing out towels and locker keys to building one of the largest wellness brands in the world. So I always say I'm living proof that the American dream is alive and well, and um, and I can I can share with you what that journey lo- looks and feels like. Yeah. How did you get into the the wellness space? How did you get into the fitness space? Well, you you know what? I mean, it's when I was young. When I was about 13, I picked up a racquetball racket for the first time, and that was my. That's what put me into the the, the health club space, the the facility, and um, it was a, a sport that I gravitated gravitated to fairly quickly. And um, I ended up becoming a, a touring pro for 12 years. I was a sponsored player with a company called Ectalon, so I was able to travel around the country, play racquetball. It it, wow. it opened my eyes to the country, but more importantly. It put me in an environment, you know, you think about the health club space, it is, the energy is fairly high, people are fairly positive, so it's a great environment to work, to work in. And now, totally. did I know at the time that I'd, that I'd take it to the level that I did? Well, of course not, but it, it felt like, like a, a great gig. 
right? And and it's not what I wanted to do my whole life. When I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a game warden because I love the outdoors, right? I thought, man, this would be a great job. I'm not sitting behind a desk. I'm, I'm out here in the wild. I love it. Well, I figured that then I found out they don't make any money. So that, that, that shot that one off. <laughs> yeah. Transition that one quick. Did I lose you? I lost you for five seconds. Okay. Yeah, I hear you now. So. Okay. That's why we can cut it. So don't worry. Yeah, no, that's what editing's all about. Um, can you uh, just finish your last thought there, just so I can kind of. Yeah. So I, when I when I was younger, I wanted to be a game warden because I I love the outdoors and and it didn't take me long to figure out that game wardens don't make a lot of money. So I quickly transitioned out of that into who knows what, but I knew it wasn't going to be that. Right. No doubt. So why the fitness space? So obviously you knew that wasn't going to make money. What, how did you learn the business? Like, how did you know that this is what you were going to jump into? You know what? I, that, that's a great question. And I say all the time, you know what? The A students work for the C students. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I quit college my junior year and I quit college because I was at the, my, my parents, I came from a family, a background where my, where my parents made me pay for my own college, which which I'm an, I'm an advocate for. Look, you know what? You got to own it, right? So anyway, I felt like I was digging this hole. And, and what I always tell, especially young, young, young people, look, sometimes when you're digging a hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. So for me, that's what I felt. And I was literally my junior year in college. I was having breakfast with my twin brother. And, uh, and I said, screw it. Screw it. I, I planned my book shut. I was studying business statistics. And I said, screw it. I quit. And my twin brother looks at me, his eyes get a little bit big, right? And he says, what do you mean you quit? I said, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. And uh, about a minute later, he closes his book. He says, I quit too. And <laughs> so we quit college the same day. And, uh, and we stayed in the dorms through, through, through spring semester. We never told our parents. And then we never went back. We never went back to school. We moved down to Orlando, Florida. We played what they call the Sun Belt Tour for racquetball. And, uh, and then eventually we grew up and, and figured we had, we, we better you know, get, get to work. And I had an opportunity to come back and, and run a failing health club. And that's really what, what opened the door for me. The club that I had played at when I was a kid, I knew that they were losing money. And uh, the day that I left for Orlando, I sat down with some of the owners and having breakfast. And I, and I said to the guys, and I was friends with all of them, because keep in mind, I, I was in that club every day. And I, yeah. I'm not talking about going in there for an hour a day. You know, you and I talked before we aired about athletes, right? I, I was in that club anywhere from three to five hours a day. And I wasn't in there. I wasn't in there just bullshitting with people. I was working. I was, I was, I was putting in my time in the court. I was putting my time in the weight room and in the aerobic studio. It was, you know, I had to do what I had to do to play at a high level. So anyway, having breakfast with the guys. And I said, look, you're not going to like what I have to tell you. But the guy you have running your club, he's not your guy. And they said, what do you mean? Now, I knew these guys were feeding the club. They were each, there was five owners. The club was burning about 200 grand a year cash flow. So every, wow. year, these guys, every year, these guys were throwing in $40,000. And I knew that they, were, that they were upset about it. So I said, look, he's not your guy. He's, he's not engaged with the members. He's not engaged with the club. And he's not engaged with the community. So I said, if you ever want to turn it around, give me a call. About a year and a half later, my phone rings. It's these guys. And they said, hey, Peter. I'll tell you what, we'd like you to come back and run this club. I'll tell you, we're, we'll pay you $16,000 a year. But if you turn, the, if you make the club profitable, we'll let you buy us out with the profits. 
And, and that was what I needed. Okay. That's, and they didn't know what they were dealing with. You know, you and I talked earlier about discipline and tenacity yep. and no, no quit. So, you know, never underestimate the heart of a lion. Right. And I just needed a window. So, I mean, I remember, I remember one of the, like the first or second day that I, that I went to work, I told the entire staff, Hey, come, come tomorrow, come to work ready to clean because the club needed a deep clean from corner to corner. When I got there in the morning, everybody was there. And, and this woman steps forward. She says, Hey, Peter, uh, before we get started, I'd like to say something. And I said, well, by all means, go ahead. She says, we, we don't clean. Okay. Now that was, you know what, that was a, a, a character building moment for me. Cause so think about that. I'm like day one or day two on the job. A woman steps forward. I have the entire staff there and this woman steps forward, her and four others. And they say, um, excuse me, we don't clean. So that is a moment of truth, right? Everybody's looking and, and what am I going to do? And I thought about it for about five seconds. And I said, and you also don't have a job. And I pointed to the door. So she left. That was probably the last thing she was expecting. But I tell you what, everybody else in that room, you could have heard a pin drop. Now, keep in mind, I was like 22 years old. I was the yeah. youngest. I was the youngest employee of the whole staff. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're looking at who was this guy rocking the mullet, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just fired one. And, and any, anyway, but I got the attention of everyone and I told everyone, look. From this day forward, we are not going to be average. We 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 are we have higher aspirations. So we are gonna we are gonna deliver on our promise. We're gonna clean this club. We're gonna eventually try to remodel it. And you know the rest the rest is history. I was able. The club didn't have any money, and that's another interesting point. The club. I asked the owners, "What's my marketing budget?" And they said to me, "Peter, what do you mean? What's your marketing budget? Maybe you didn't hear us. We feed this thing every year." There is no money. There is no marketing budget. There's nothing. There's no money to do anything, right? So rather than quit, I got creative and I started thinking about what can I do um, with nothing? And so I went, I remember I went into the Florida ceiling store and I said, look, I, I need some carpet. Now I don't have any money, but I have memberships. And, mm, and again, if we did some trading and I did that with multiple carpet stores I did it with painters. I did it with electricians. And I was smart about it, too. I started in the front lobby because when people walked into the door, I wanted them to know that something has changed, right? Because when you're taking a 40,000-square-foot club, if you dabble a little bit in every corner, people don't notice the change. But if you start at one end and people say, wow, you know, this looks really, really nice, right? Well, I, so I started putting money into the club, number one. But number two, more importantly, I got to know the members. I knew them by name, right? I made a point to be by the front desk and, and nothing was off limits. And I learned that from my father in the grocery store when I was a kid, that my father, he would, he, you would see him on the checkout stand. You would see him carrying out groceries. You would see him shoveling the sidewalk. He didn't put himself above anything. And that's, and that's one of the life lessons. I have many lessons I learned from my father, but some of those lessons I learned early on are, are you can't put a value on them. There were such beautiful lessons and they were so relevant into how I live my life today. How long did it take you to change the culture within that gym and like earn the respect or maybe not so much how long did it take, but like what were some of the things you did to earn that respect? Well, it started, um, obviously I, it couldn't have the, the first reaction of everyone, it couldn't have gone 
there couldn't have been a better circumstance for me because they knew I meant business. They knew I was not afraid. I mean, when I fired her, actually, there were three people that got fired that day that chose to walk out. Okay. Wow. I didn't even know who they were. I turned to, I turned to my assistant and I said, after the meeting was done, I said, by the way, who the hell did I just fire? Right. I didn't even know <laughs> what they did. Right. So, but I had to send that message. They knew I meant business and they knew that I was not, that I was going to, that I was determined to deliver on my promise. So that in itself, it was just creating the culture. The other part of the culture that I learned from my father was leaning in and, and doing, and, and just not being, putting myself above anything. I would wipe down displays. I mean, there's, there, I put myself above nothing. I would hand out locker keys. I would do it all right. I would shovel the sidewalk. I was engaged with the members and, and I remember, you know, when, when, when I talk about getting after it, when I was eight years old, I used to sell popcorn in front of my dad's grocery store. My, okay. dad, my dad had a small grocery store in my hometown. And when I was eight, in my family, you did one of three things. You were either in school, you were in sports, or you were working. Make no mistake about it, right? He was, my dad was going to occupy your time to keep, keep you out of trouble, right? And anyway, I'm, I'm selling popcorn in front of his groceries, in front of his grocery store. And my dad walks past me and he walks about 35, 40 feet past me. And suddenly he stops, he stops and he pivots and I'll be damned if he's not coming right back towards me. Right now, my dad was a big man. I was just a little eight year old boy. Right. He stops in front of me. He said, Hey son, how are sales? And I said, well, they're not very good today, dad. Right. And I said, but, you know, there's just not a lot of people in the mall. I was giving him my excuses as an eight-year-old would do. And he said, son, the sales aren't any good because you're sitting behind the desk. You got to get out from behind that counter and go, go, go get your business, right? So here's this eight-year-old boy. Now, think about that. I'm scared shitless, right? And I'm walking yeah. up and I'm pulling on the sleeve of adults and saying, hey, would you like some popcorn? I just made it. It's fresh. It's really good, blah, blah, blah. Well, suddenly my, my sales like doubled for the day, right? And so it was a great life lesson in, through the lens of an eight-year-old to say, look, if you want to, you can go down one or two paths. You can either watch things happen or you can make things happen. So that was a great lesson for me. And that's the way I live my life today. I love that. What a great lesson that is. It is. So my, my dad doesn't even realize it, but I'm like, dad, that was such a great lesson. You scared the shit out of me, but it was a great lesson, dad. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people would just let that child sit behind the desk Most. and think, oh, he's working. So at least he's doing that. Right. At least he's doing something. No, that's right. That and, that, and that as a parent too, I think that's a total cop out. Right. And I'm not here to get righteous. But I tell you what, you know, kids, kids and young adults, right? You're, you know, you reap what you sow, right? If you have, if you set, the, I always say, if you, anyone can be an all-star when you set the bar at your ankles, right? So, so yeah. you know what? Have some ambition, get out there and make it happen. No doubt. So you start diving into the fitness business. You're working in it. You're making things happen. You're probably learning the ins and outs. When did you get the idea for Snap Fitness? You know what? I sold. I, I ran the health club. So that one health club that I had, I, once I got to the point where I had 51% equity in that, in that first failing club, mm -hmm. I went, I went right back to the bank. I refinanced it to give myself a little breathing room. I, I bought out all the partners, right? Refinance it. Now I've got some breathing room. I did that for another 12 years. And when you start with nothing, you're fearless, right? So I leveraged that. Now I had, I, I, I got a loan. I built another club. Now I have two clubs play, paying off one loan. I did that seven times. And then when I got to be about 40, I sold those clubs, right? 
And I had about three and a half million dollars to my name. That was my life savings. That's that's what I had to show for myself for, you know, whatever, 20 some years of hard work. And when I sold the business, one of my one guy that worked for me who was the great guy, you know how sometimes you're fortunate you meet someone that if a hand grenade came in the room, they dive on it for you. Yeah. I've, got, I've had the privilege of about 12 people like that, that I've had the privilege of working with. Well, wow. one of these guys called me and says, Hey, I, I can't stand who you sold the company to. Right. And I gave him, a, I made sure that he had a great comp plan. And I said, Oh, come on, you know, just suck it up. You can do it. He goes, no, no, these guys, I'm, I don't like it. He said, would you consider building me a, a club? I know you don't want to run the club. Would you just consider building a club? And I said, no, about four or five times. And then finally I said, look, I'm going to do it. But here's what I did. Instead of having swimming pools and climbing walls and childcare and aerobic classes and racquetball courts, the club kept getting smaller and smaller. And pretty soon I had this club that was four to 5,000 square feet. And instead of having 60 employees, I had two. So it, I, I was mildly intrigued by it. I built the club. And, and, and what was amazing is I wanted to have a point of difference, right? So it was 24-hour access, no contract, everything that you would need to get fit. But, but really not a lot of frills, no child care and pools, things like that. Well, I sold enough memberships in 90 days to cash hold the business for the year. All right. Now – Colin, I didn't have any idea it was going to be that successful. Okay. I was mildly um, surprised and intrigued more than anything. And that was in an urban market. And, and, and after 90 days, I knew I had enough memberships to cash hold the business for the year. So I, I was financially kind of out of the woods and I was intrigued. Well, then I said, I'm going to build another one, but I'm going to build it in a mid-sized market, a smaller market. So I built another one and I'll be damn Colin. The unit level economics all fell into place. The rent was not quite as high. The overhead was not quite as high. And I always tell people, look, it's not what you bring in the front door. It's what you take out the back door. Well, same. The club behaved, behaved the same. 90 days, I sold enough memberships to cash flow for the year. Now, I said, I'm going to build a third one. I built one in a town of 3,500 people. Imagine that which is any little small town USA, right? Yep. One stoplight, a bank, and a small little grocery store. Right? That's the town. I put one in a town like that, same thing, 90 days, and that's no BS, 90 days. And it was at that time that I knew I had a tiger by the tail. And it was at that time. So thank God that, number one, I had enough dry powder. I had about, like I said, $3.5 million in the bank. So I, had a, I didn't need any partners. I was an expert within the space. I, had, I, knew, I knew that I could do it. I knew I had the, 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 the savviness to, to do it. I knew I had the, the work ethic to do it. Um, and I didn't cut any corners. I, I hired some of the best franchise attorneys in the country. And, and so I didn't, I didn't cut any corners, right? Because I always say, think small, be small. So I built the brand in a way that if I was going to have hundreds of clubs, I, I knew that, I, that it would not implode, right? Now, if you sat there, if you had asked me 15 years ago, Peter, did you ever think you'd have 6,000 locations spread across three brands in 28 countries? I would have told you, no, I don't think I'm going to grow it that big, right? Because who would say that in their right mind? You'd have to be, you would have to be extremely arrogant to say that. But I would, but I would say, I didn't think it was going to be as big as it is, but I knew I was capable of doing it, and mm -hmm. I truly mean that. I knew that I had the ability to build one of the largest wellness brands in the world. So I knew it. I was, I was fearless because like I say, when you start with nothing, you're fearless. You know what the bottom feels like you live there, right? Yeah. So 
you're not afraid of it. Now, as you as you become older and you become more financial and you start hitting more and more home runs and you start accumulating some significant wealth, um, I just did the, I just wrote this on on my Instagram that look, never never bet the business, or another way to say it, never bet the farm on a business, right? Don't be one of those guys that accumulates you know, a nine figure net worth and you see them five, 10 years later and they're broke. Why? Because they thought they're going to do it again. They, you know, they, they, they bet the farm on their second grand slam and it, and it ends up being a strikeout. And before you know it, you know, it's all gone through personal guarantees and whatnot. So, you know, I, I talk about that as well as how do you, how do you manage a lifestyle? How do you keep your sanity? How do you keep that life balance between, you know, your family, your faith, and 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 yourself. Were there people and mentors that you kind of turned to during those times, and still do, to kind of help you with the education process? I mean, obviously, you had the the foresight to get some of the top attorneys, and like you did a lot of the the right things early on. Did that come from leaning on others? You know, it didn't. And I don't know why, you know, I've got a really strong faith. And when I sit today and reflect about my, my, my life, uh, especially when, as I started working, but even going back to those eight year old boy memories, right. And what, why some things happened the way they did. I, I'll tell you straight up business. A lot of business is just common sense, common sense. And I, and it really, it boils right down to that. You just got to stop and think you got to make sure that the product that you're presenting to the public, that it's relevant. And, and, and here's the biggest challenge is some people, you know, if you think you're the smartest one in the room all the time, you're, you're dead in the water right there. Right. So for me, I, I fundamentally, I think of what I want the product to look like, like for instance, snap fitness. When, before I opened my first store, I said, what is the, what is the, with the customer of one, what does that business experience feel like? What does that customer experience feel like, right? Make sure that I'm, I'm on point for every aspect of that customer experience of a quantity of one. Once you have that button down, now say, what, how do I scale this to if I had 400 members or 500 members? So, but you got to start in that one place of what does excellence look like? And then you have to figure out a way to to um, create systems and processes so you can gain momentum and trajectory into mm-hmm. building a club that is cash flow positive. Now, once you have a club that is that is, that is that is killing it, blowing the doors off, now you take a step back and you say, "How do I replicate this business into another one?" And I never said, you know what? Once again, common sense. I didn't say, "How do I build this club of one?" and expand it to California. Okay. I mean, shit, there's a lot of country between Minnesota and California. Right. So I said, how can I build some clubs within two or three hours of where of Minneapolis? Right. So I got that feeling. And once you can build a club three, four hours, so you can no longer get in your car and go fix the problem. That's how, you know, you've created a great franchise concept is when you can fix problems remotely and that you've got systems and processes in place to where you can you where you can see what's on the horizon because sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is a train so you've got to you got to make sure that when you see these things that you can react accordingly before they before you've got a raging fire on your hands yeah, so totally so, so bottom line Colin you know what it's 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 common sense it goes a long way and I, you know I hate to understate it like that but there's so many times people get so caught up in 
in the business side of it and just say, look, slow down, take three steps back. Number one, number two, take a deep breath. And let's just think about fundamentally, what are you trying to accomplish for your customer each day? Just get back to the basics. And then from there, dig yourself out. It's really, you know, as I'm reflecting, it's really interesting how you got into it. Because I think so many people have an idea or think that they're an expert in a certain area and want to start a business. And I think that there's a lot of value in what you did, whether it was intentional or not, but going into a business that already is established, it's already there. You see how you can fit in and help them. They give you revenue sharing from that, like everything built. Do, do you feel like there's a lot of oppor- more opportunities like that for people? There are. And I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, I do a lot of uh, mentoring and, and consulting today and, and I'm shocked. And I say it all the time, fear, fear is a dream killer. All right. And let's be real. Fear manifests itself in the six inches between your ears. Okay. Fear is self-inflicted. So if you, the first thing you need to have is confidence in yourself, right? Number one, mm-hmm. and you can't be, you know, fear is typically, what if I fail? I mean, you know what, for real brother, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Right. I mean, I don't know. I can't, I cannot tell you one person that I know that's accumulated any real wealth that it that doesn't have, you know, dozens of stories of road rash and, and trials and tribulation and perseverance and, I mean, that is just part of the gig, right? And that's why I tell people, you know, Steve Jobs said it great. He goes, look, you got to be a little bit crazy to want to be and get into business. <laughs> it's a true statement because you're gonna, you, you, you've got to fight every day. It's hard work. It's gut-wrenching. It's, it's stressful as hell. And, you know, it, and, and what the problem is you got to endure it over and over and over again, you know, at businesses, they, you don't just start create a business and, and, and the, and the financials are up and to the right from day one. It's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress and agony and perseverance that takes place along that journey. And every one of those, those hardships, every one of those character building moments is what defines you. And I always say, anyone can run a company with the wind at your back. Okay. When things are great and easy, anyone can do it. But it's how you act in times of adversity where your character is is defined. And that's where all the learning experiences take place. And it's true in business. It's true in life. It's true in everything, right? So don't shy away from it. Lean into it and understand what the hell is going on. How did I get here and what can I do to not put myself in this place again? Do you know what I mean? Once Once again, Colin, common sense. Use your head, right? Use your head. Think about where you're at. And that goes with the good and the bad. How did I get here? Uh, if it's a good experience, how did I get here? How do I replicate this? Right? It's not, there's no such thing as dumb luck. Think about your process. That's why documentation in life, documentation in business, it's key. Yeah. I love, what are some things, you know, someone listening who is fearful, who does lack that confidence, what are some things to regain that? What are some things to regain that confidence and that mindset that it takes? It's a process. You know, it's a, it's a process and it truly is because people that, that, that generally um, lack confidence, it's not just, you can't just grab them by the shoulders, square off of them and say, look, suck it up. It's not that, it's not that right. So you got to be able to pull them aside and say, look, understand you're thinking about, I don't know the light that you're putting yourself in, 
But look, you've got to, we got to change your thought pattern because you know what? You're capable of doing this. And believe it or not, the first step of, of becoming an entrepreneur, the first step of it is just saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. There are some people that they would, that, that thought never enters their head. Okay. So you got to tell them, Hey, look, you're more than what you think you are. So let's just start right there. You're more than what you think you are. And then you explain fear and what that is. And, and then tell them, here's what I want you to think about yourself. What are what, and write some things down about yourself that you love, write some things about yourself that you think are going to carry you forward in, in the life of an entrepreneur, write down those things that you think uh, people appreciate about you. Because I tell you what, you cannot lead a company. You cannot drive a company without people believing in you. All right. Because it starts at the top. I know for me, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm known as I'm a bit of a cowboy in my space. Right. And it's because I came from nothing. I'm a straight shooter. And if somebody's wrong, I'll say, you know what? You're wrong. I'm not, I'm not condescending, but I don't sit and listen to people's bullshit because I've heard it a thousand times. Right. And I'll tell them, look, you know what? You're talking business theory. You have nothing to back it up. It's bullshit. That jet is not yours. That's not your Ferrari. Quit fanning hundred dollar bills. It's one line of bullshit after another. Here, sign up. Give me tw- give me nineteen ninety five a month, and in six months you'll be making ten grand a month. You know what? It's it's bullshit, right? That's not how life is, and that's not how business is. So, it's so for people, I just say, look, be, strap on the chin strap. It's going to be hard work. There's gonna, you're going to have some gut wrenching moments, but that's business, and appreciate those moments, right? Don't you don't need to run and hide. Just appreciate them. Totally. I love how you brought up. Like, there's so many posers. I call them posers. So many posers in the world. How does someone in your experience, right? Because I feel like you have the ability through being low to where you are now, like you can see it instantly. For But for those out there who, whether they're looking for a mentor, looking for a coach or looking for guidance, like how do you, how do you know if someone's a poser or if someone's real? What are, what are questions they should ask? What are things they should look for? Well, you know what? It's, it, it's a, Here's an interesting part, and I'll tell you this, and I, you know, I kind of laugh about it all the time. It, it's quiet, quiet confidence, number one. Um, and I kind of like, you know, Steve Jobs. Uh, you know, he used to wear jeans and a black T-shirt every day, every day. Okay. Yeah. I read that. And I always say, if you walk into a restaurant and you see three guys in suits and one guy in 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 faded jeans and flip flops and a and a T-shirt, he's the one with the money. Make no mistake about it. Okay. That's true. So it's, you know what, when you've done it, so I'm a nine figure net worth guy. So my jet, my, my cars, my homes, I own them. In fact, that's one of the reasons I got into social media and the people that helped me with my social media, they said, Peter, you need to be more, you need to be more, um, uh, flashy with your thing. So if you go into my social media, you'll see a, there's, and there's only one, there's a picture of my Ferrari in front of my, my Falcon 50. Right. And I did, I did the shot and I turned away when I was done. I said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm never effing doing that again. Right. Cause it's not who I am. It's mm-hmm. not, not who I am. Now, believe me, I got it. You know, I, I, I've been blessed. I, I have a $10 million lake home in, in Minnesota. I have a three and a half million dollar penthouse here in Miami. I have a jet, I have a Ferrari, I have an Aston Martin. So I've, I've got multiple um, real estate and business. So that's my validation that hard work works. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't beat my chest with it. People, some people are get get really caught up in it, and I say, look, all of this stuff is a result of hard work. Now, and understand, 
I, I had the ability to put the right people around me because um, winning in business, it's a team sport. Make no mistake about it, okay? You can't do it by yourself. If you do, you're a fool. So it's, you've got you've to surround yourself with very talented people that are like-minded, for one. So, so for me, and that, that's one thing that, that I've been able to do is just really lean in. I always look for opportunities. Um, I'm getting ready to launch another company right now. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm out of the health and wellness space, I retired as the CEO a year ago. I'm still chairman of the board. And I still own roughly 44% of, of the company. But, uh, you know, now I'm off, I'm off doing what my next thing is. I'm not retired. I think retirement is a bullshit word. It doesn't even make sense anymore. You know, who retires yeah. nowadays? How boring, right? So I always say I'm transitioning, right? I'm transitioning to my next thing. I don't, um, and, you know, but life is a lot of fun and I appreciate every minute of it, right? Oh, Dad. So what is that next thing for you? What, what gets you excited to get up every morning right now? Well, I only do things that, I, that really bring me joy, right? So um, I have a, a luxury camp in the Serengeti, a lodge. Amazing. I love it. I love it, right? Uh, if, you ever, if you ever want to go out to Tanzania, get in, get in the bush, give me a holler. I really mean it. Give me a holler. I'll yeah. hook you. I gotta, it's a great spot. It's one of the, it was voted that one of the top 10 lodges in Tanzania. So it's wow. just, yeah, it's in the northeast corner of the Serengeti. It's beautiful. Um, but so I do that. I'm, I have a music festival. I like that. Right. I like music. Um, and it because it's such a great energy The people around it are, are positive and it's 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 entertaining. Right. So. But once again, remember, I said earlier, I don't bet the farm on anything. So anything that I get involved with, if it fails, it's not going to change my lifestyle one bit. But if it wins, I really like that. I mean, winners mm -hmm. like to win, right? Winners like to win. Yes. I said, fine, right? So the next launch I'm making, it's a company called Elevar, um, and it's a, uh, a CBD oil company that I'm li literally, my son and I are going to be launching it here in the next, should be the next two to three weeks. So we're excited about it. We've put a lot of thought into it. It's a, it, we have a great product. And once again, we didn't just want to come to the market and be another me too. So we got one of the best botanists in the country who, who creates the CBD oil and, and it's literally, I mean, there's an award, there's an award that is, that is given out once a year. She's won the award the last two years running. I mean, she's probably the most knowledgeable about CBD oil and she creates her own. She's just so passionate about it. So I wanted to leverage her passion and knowledge for CBD oil and leverage it into the consumer space. So that, that's, that's my next thing. Amazing. Well, we're all looking forward to it. And where's the best place people can go to follow along on your journey, learn yeah. more about you, connect with you? Where's the best place everyone can go? Yeah. Go to Peter, Peter underscore Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. So just my name. Now you can, now you know why I'm not the creative marketing director. I, I don't have some flashy name. So Peter underscore Taunton, that's my Instagram handle. And that's where I do all my, all my communicating. So any post right. that I, that's where it's at. And, and I do a lot. I mean, if, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're feeling like you're stuck or you just need a little push or you need a little guidance, I offer that. So, you know, right now I do a lot of that throughout the week. I don't charge anything for it unless you're corporate America. If you're corporate America, I charge a thousand an hour, but I donate a hundred percent of it to charity. So my own foundation. So I'm not, I'm not in this for the money, but what, what lights my fire is really helping other young entrepreneurs 
or older entrepreneurs, um, help them find their way through some of the challenges and road rash that I've experienced in my 35 years in business. Well, we thank you very much for it. I'm going to share that link to make it super simple but for everyone, but be sure you visit Peter on Instagram. And Now, Peter, the way we end the show here on The Daily Grind is we're going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity to share with the audience a thought of the day. So one thing or one thought we can all go home with today. You know, one a thought of the day, and it's a thought that you should have every every day, that you know what, you're going to have, life is going to throw twists and turns at you, and it's not... It's not easy. Some days you're a cruise director. Some days you're a firefighter. And regardless on those great days or days of adversity, just understand you're going to get through it. Learn from adversity and appreciate the great moments that you have in your life. Yeah, I love that. Great message to end this off. And everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure you subscribe to the podcast, drop a like, share this out with a friend who you feel like could really benefit from listening to today's episode. We will be back with another one. Until then, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding.